Well, welcome back. Last week we started a new series on who is God and what is he doing regarding man and you know what do we say about God? What do we say about man? What is our purpose for existence? What is God's purpose for our existence? And compare that to maybe beliefs we have about man and that's us and why we're here and what is God up to. Uh, this week we're going to look a little closer at um, the nature and the character of God and some things he says about himself. The thing about God is he's infinite and we are not. Uh, he's been around forever and will be around forever. Um, so he's had a big head start on us. So I like to say it this way, we will spend eternity getting to know infinity because he is infinite. Uh, so this is not something we'll do overnight, get to know all there is to know about God by any stretch of the imagination or even in this lifetime. But I believe we can get to know enough about him because he reveals himself to us that we're able to function in relationship with him and let that function uh, spill out of us onto those around us uh, as the lives we live reflect his nature and character. All right, so last week we said God is who he is. You know, in uh, Exodus chapter 3, Moses said, who do I say you are? When the people asked me, what's the name of this God that sent you? And he says, say to them, I am who I am. Uh, I am has sent me. Just tell them that. And he just is who he is. And that's a good thing. Another thing he says about himself in Malachi 3.6, he says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Nothing has ever changed about God. Nothing ever will change about God. He is unchangeable, which is one of the great, one of the great uh, things we can have confidence in about God is he's not fickle. He's not for us one day and indifferent to us the next day, maybe mad at us the day after that. He is always the same. Uh, we can trust him to be constant and ever not changing uh, around us. And that's good because it gives us the ability to rest in him and uh, believe in him that we know what to expect. Now, obviously, in order to do that, we have to know what to expect, and that's why we need to get to know him. You know, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent deceived Eve and she gave the fruit to Adam who was with her, um, the deception involved a couple of things. One was... Uh, let's distort the image of God. And then when you have a false concept of what kind of person he is, then it's easy to distort what his words mean. He says, you know, God's not, you're not going to die. He didn't tell you the truth. Um, when he made you in his image, he didn't finish the job. So it's up to you to finish it. And the one thing he won't let you do, eat from that tree over there, is the one thing you need to do. But I'll let you do it. And I'm the one who's telling you the truth. And so... He distorts the character of God in their thinking, and by then he's able to distort the uh, meaning of his words. And that's just a that's a common uh, tactic he uses on us all the time. The enemy is a liar, the father of lies. He's the serpent. He's the great deceiver. We're not to be ignorant of his schemes and all those kind of things. So he started with something in the Garden of Eden, used it on Adam and Eve, and he's used it on every one of us since then. Uh, he's a liar and he's good at it. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's leading us away from 
that falsehood about who God is and who we are. You know, in that same instance there in the Garden of Eden, he convinced them that you're busted and you need to fix yourself because God's not going to do it for you. All kinds of implications in that little uh, discourse they had together there in the garden. Uh, to distort our view of ourselves sets us in pursuit of destructive activities. That's what they did in the garden. Okay, I need something and God won't let me have it. It's in that tree over there. I'll just do that. And what did it do? Instead of giving them God-likeness, because he said you'll be like God, it actually took away their God-likeness. They were already in the image of God. He actually made them that way on the sixth day. And it said he finished all of his work. So they were already like God. So the, the lies that promised to make them like God actually took away their God-likeness. And that's very important. The devil's lies always produce the exact opposite of what they promise. Um, in Psalm 115, it says that people who make idols, they build these idols, they have hands and feet and eyes and mouth and ears and all that kind of stuff. It says they have hands, but they can't do anything with them. They have feet, they can't walk. They have mouths, they can't speak. They have eyes, they can't see. They have ears, they can't hear. And then it says those who make them become like them. Uh, we become like the God we worship. And so if we see God as being mean or indifferent or too busy or doesn't care or he's just an easy pushover or whatever, then we will become like that. But that's not the kind of person he is. And so it's important that we get to know him because being made in his image and getting to know him, we are getting to know who we are and what we are becoming you know, it says you're born again. Well, just like when you were born as a human being, you had to grow up and find out what it meant to be a human being, and you learn from your parents. Well, now that you're born again, um, you've been given his nature, and now we're growing up to find out who we are who, by getting to know who our Father is. Because if we're made in his image, when we get to know him, we know who we are and what we're becoming. Very important truth. The, uh, um, all throughout the scriptures, you have people in the Psalms talking about knowing God, uh, what he's like. Uh, there's even one passage where God is fussing at the people a little bit and, bit, and he says, you thought I was just like you, but he's not like us. He's not like people you've known. He's not like as good as they might have been, our parents or the preacher or whoever. God is only like himself, and he's unique in the universe in that regard. But he is imparting that very nature and character to us through new birth, through his indwelling presence by the Holy Spirit, and through a daily intimate relationship we have with him where we get to know him and trust him to the point that we allow his life to be lived through us. Now, here's the deal. Just because God is God, and he's making us to be like him. We need to remember that God is God and we are not God. God will always be God and we will always not be God. We don't become him. We are still the creature. We were created by him uh, for a purpose. And that purpose was to display his very nature and character. Now, in the New Testament, we have a passage written by the Apostle Paul that I think is very important. Uh, he actually caught a glimpse of this because before 
meeting Christ, he pursued a righteousness by the works of the law. He says, you know, I was doing really good with that. I was ahead of all my countrymen. I was, I was the rising star in my day. But then he realized that it was worthless. He said it was rubbish. And he kicked it to the curb and said, I gave up all of those things. So let me read it to you. Uh, but whatever things were gained to be, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I might know him. See, he was given righteousness so he could know him. And, it says, not just know him, and the power of his resurrection. We were raised with Christ. So what does it mean to be resurrected with Christ? And the fellowship of his suffering. We go through hard times. He went through hard times. He says, you know, if the world mistreats you, you need to know it mistreated me before it did you. And But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer, it says in Romans. Um the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, that uh, in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, and I don't believe he's talking about, I'll go to heaven someday. He's talking about, in the context here, it's plain, he's talking about, I want to live today as though I've already been to the grave, been raised completely incorruptible, completely out of the presence and the power of sin. But he said, I haven't got there yet. Let's go on and read that. He says, not that I've already obtained it or I'm already perfect. And that word perfect means mature. But I press on to lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ. So God, Christ got a hold of me for a reason, he said. And I want to lay hold of the reason that he laid hold of me. And that's that maturity in Christ. That's that ability to live life in a way that reflects the nature and the character of God. And we do that by getting to know the one who is those things already and trusting him, not just out there, but in here because he lives inside to the point that we're willing to defer our will to his, just like Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. So we were laid hold of for a reason. Paul says, I'm pressing on to try to lay hold of that reason I was laid hold of. He says, brethren, I do not yet, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. So here's Paul. He's writing the Bible. He's a pretty cool guy by now. He's quit killing Christians as a hobby. And he's got to know the Lord. And he's starting churches all over the, the known world back then. And he says, I haven't got a hold of it yet. He didn't mean he hadn't got a hold of salvation. He hasn't, got, he hasn't reached that level of maturity. Because he goes on and says this. For yet forgetting what lies behind. And reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature keep holding on, who are perfect, keep holding on to the things to which we have already attained. That word perfect means mature. So he said, okay, I've reached a level of maturity, but I realize I've got a ways to go. And I'm reaching forward to that. I'm pressing on for that. I'm straining for that. And what is that? Maturity in Christ is nothing more than knowing him and trusting him to the point 
that when he wants to say words, they come out of my throat. When he wants to do actions, it's my hands and feet that are over there doing it. It's my life being lived as though it were Christ there in the moment. Because he is. He lives inside of me. You know, Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So I live by faith in him who loved me so much he would give himself up for me. So that in any given moment when he wants to do something, I say, here am I, send me. Use me. Use my voice. Use my hands. Use the smile on my face. Use whatever it is about me you have. I'm yours. The Bible says we are not our own. We were bought with a price. All right, so uh, it back. I, went, I think Paul said this, um, that he's pressing towards something. He must have been thinking about, I think, the verse in uh, Hosea 6.3. It says this, so let us know. Let us press to know the Lord, for his going forth is as certain as the dawn, uh, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. So it was built into even the Old Testament that there's this need to know God for who he really is and not accept false ideas about him, not worship foreign gods. You know, the nation of Israel was constantly plagued by different kings and different ones who would allow false gods to set up temples, people who worship those false gods to set up temples in the country of Israel. Then every once in a while, a good king would come along and tear them down. But then they'd build them back up, uh, looking for a god that would be like they wanted him to be. And the thing is, we don't create God. God created us. And he's very specific about who he is and what we're becoming. In uh, Hebrews 6, chapter 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the elementary principles about uh, Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and so on. So there's this, let's move on to maturity. And that's what Paul's talking about. Let's lay hold of the reason we were laid hold of. You know, back in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, uh, no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten of God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him, talking about Jesus. So Jesus came and actually showed us who God is and what he's like. And that'll be the, the major topic of our next meeting. Okay, so remember, God is who he is. He's made us to be like him. He will always be God. We will always not be God. But we need to know him for who he really is, not some distorted image that the devil in the world system is trying to give us. So that we'll actually trust him. So that in the moment when he wants to do works and when he wants to speak words, we're there and he can do those works through us. You know, Ephesians said, it is God who, uh, Ephesians says, uh, um, it is, excuse me, I'll get it here in a second. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. All right, so we are created in Christ Jesus, and he's the one that's making us, and he's also prepared works for us. Just like he made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he prepared work for them to take care of the garden and so forth. He's made us, and he's making us back to his image in Christ, 
and he's got works for us to do. Not so we'll be acceptable to Christ, to God, but because we're already acceptable to God through Christ. All right, a lot to say about this. I'm really excited about the series, uh, getting to know God and letting him uh, develop that mature character like his in us and what that means to see that happen and how he goes about performing uh, that work in us. So God bless you. Let me end this in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you that you are who you are, that you never change, and we can depend on you to be the same. We thank you that when you started making us in your image, you put yourself on a task and you've never diverted from that. And there is no plan B, that you are on task. And whatever you began in us, the Bible says, you will bring it to completion. Uh, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can't make ourselves, but that's all right because you are making us to be like you. Teach us to know you in ways that helps us trust you in ways that that allows your life to live through us to the world around us so that they see Jesus and you reflected through our lives and are drawn to you uh, so that they can have a relationship of their own. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.